This is Morning Air. This is about educating a people that for 40 years haven't been given the full truth. It's time now to speak the truth. When you do things to the best of your ability, keeping Jesus number one and doing everything you possibly can for His glory, that's a winner. You are called to make the light of Christ shine brightly in the world. Bringing the light of Christ to start your day. This is Morning Air with John Morales on Relevant Radio. Four minutes after the hour, it's Tuesday, November 16th. Good morning and welcome back to Morning Air. I'm John Morales along with Glenn Leverance. Thanks so much for joining us across America. Great to be with you once again here this morning. On Tuesdays, we always remember to pray to our guardian angels. We ask our guardian angels for help in our everyday lives, and Tuesday is always a good reminder. Today is also the memorial of St. Gertrude the Great, the medieval nun who had a devotion to the sacred heart of Jesus that eventually would spread all throughout the Catholic Church centuries later. With Advent just days away, Relevant Radio has a free and simple way for you to grow in your faith this Advent season and get ready for Christmas and the true meaning of Christmas. All you have to do is sign up to receive Father Rocky's Advent inspirations. These are short daily audio reflections emailed to you every morning, all during the Advent season. You can sign up for Father Rocky's free Advent inspirations at relevantradio.com Advent or click on the banner on the Relevant Radio app. I want to bring in my partner, Glenn Leverance. Uh, Glenn, uh, what are some of the stories that you're keeping an eye on this morning? Well, John, if not all eyes, many eyes will be on Kenosha, Wisconsin today and for the next day or two, possibly uh, sometime during the last year. There were protests, of course, after the uh, police shooting of a black man in the protests that followed Kyle Rittenhouse kind of waded into the battle and ended up uh, shooting, he claims, in self-defense. Two men were killed. His trial, well, the uh, defense portion of that wrapped up yesterday with closing arguments. Got to see some of those. And now the jury has the case beginning this morning for deliberations. And so... Now we wait. And uh, hopefully uh, there will not be any violence, although there is uh, some anticipation. National Guard is, is uh, waiting uh, in the wings in the event that there is uh, violence, uh, depending on which way uh, this trial is decided. Yeah, that's, uh, that's right, John. Uh, the National Guard, uh, 500 strong, called out along with uh, increased uh, police presence as well. And elsewhere, we've been doing so much virtual the past couple years now. It was a virtual summit between Xi Jinping, the leader of China, and President Biden last night. They talked about a lot of things with China doing some saber rattling in the, in the Far East over Taiwan and President Biden calling out China on some human rights issues as well. Looked like they backed away from some of the, the flashpoints a little bit and not sure yet how much uh, progress was made, but probably a good thing they're talking. Without a doubt. It's uh, always a good thing for the two world superpowers to, to be having actual conversation, even though they may not agree uh, on everything uh, that, is, that is a positive. So um, we'll be keeping an eye on the stories, especially the situation in Kenosha uh, throughout the day. Thanks, uh, Glenn, as always. Hey, sure, John. We'll keep you posted. We start uh, every hour and every show giving thanks to our Lord. We begin in prayer through the intercession of the Mother of God, our Blessed Mother Mary, when we pray in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. 
Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Our Lady of Guadalupe, patroness of the Americas, patroness of life and of relevant radio, pray for us. St. Joseph, in this year of St. Joseph, pray for us. St. John Paul II, co-patron of relevant radio, pray for us. And every single morning, we always invoke the Holy Spirit. Wouldn't dare to do this show without the Holy Spirit when we pray, come Holy Spirit, come. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. As we do every day, our power scripture from the playbook of life is from 1 Corinthians eleven twenty-seven. The Apostle St. Paul writes, Whoever, therefore, eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of profaning the body and blood of the Lord. So U.S. bishops are discussing a Eucharistic revival for next year. This verse from St. Paul the Apostle warns us about receiving the Holy Eucharist in an unworthy manner. If we receive the Lord Jesus in an unworthy manner, that is, in a state of mortal sin, we are guilty of profaning the body and blood of the Lord. Uh, these are not the words of, of the bishops or anybody's opinion. These are the words of sacred scripture. These are the words of St. Paul, inspired by the Holy Spirit. The Eucharist is Christ himself, his body, blood, soul, and divinity. This is what we believe as Catholics, and we must receive the Lord with a clean soul, a clean heart, in a, and in a state of grace. And we always pray with great confidence, Jesus, I trust in you. Our number, if you want to be part of the show, 888-914-9149. And now, let's talk about love. You're a good, good father. It's who you are. It's who you are. It's who you are. And I'm loved by you. It's who I am. And yes, we continue today with our weekly Remember You Are Loved uh, series as uh, we're going to discuss today uh, and continue our discussion that we started last week, the importance of knowing God as our loving Father. We're now joined by international bilingual evangelist Martha Fernandez-Sardina to continue this weekly series, Remember You Are Loved. Martha is also a teacher, trainer, writer, consultant, and outreach developer, and a former director for evangelization for the Archdiocese of Washington, D.C. and San Antonio. Martha is also the founder of RememberYouAreLoved.com, the host of the Remember You Are Loved TV series as well. Good morning, Martha. Thank you so much uh, once again for being with us. Always uh, good to, to talk with you. Good morning. Great to be with you, John. Um, Martha, uh, let's pick up where we uh, left off last week. We began talking uh, about uh, understanding uh, God as a loving Father. Can you can you give us a, a few more insights and a little bit of a recap of what we talked about last week for those who may have missed our initial conversation? Yes, we are talking about God as our loving Father because so many times we forget or we just never knew. And it reminds me of Jesus in Matthew 16 when he asked his apostles two questions. Who do people say that the Son of Man is? And then he turned it on them and said, who do you say that I am? And I think we can ask the same of the Father. Who do people say 
that God the Father is, because there are a thousand voices, a lot of different opinions, and ask then the Father, and who do you say that I am? In other words, what kind of God are you? What kind of Father are you? Given that we have so many uh, examples of fatherhood, good and bad, and then ask him, who am I in relation to you as Father? What does it mean for me to be a son, to be a daughter, of God. And just as that beautiful song with which you started the segment says, he is a good, good father. And I am never alone. I am accompanied by God. He is our maker. He is our creator. He is our progenitor. From him, we proceed. From him, we have our being. He who is being itself. He's the great I am existence itself. And so you and I derive our existence from God. So he is a God who is our father, who is full of love. He is a God who is rich in mercy, as St. Paul says. He is so merciful that St. John Paul II said, mercy is his second name. Imagine that, right? And so God, our father, is a God who's always present to us, which is why, as the song says, I am never alone. He's the omnipresent God. And he's always accompanying us. He's always watching over us. And even John, when sometimes we might feel alone, and I touched on this briefly last week, we like Jesus in John 16, 32, can say, yet I'm never alone. Even when others leave me, Jesus said, a time is coming. And in fact, has come when you will all be scattered and each will go to your own home and you will leave me alone, Jesus said. And then he added, what you and I need to know in our souls and ask the Father to teach us, yet I am never alone, for my Father is with me. And even John, which people always remember from the cross, even when Jesus on the cross began Psalm 22, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? We need to know that the Psalm continues, and in it it says, besides why are you so far from me, why do you not hear my cries of anguish? He then goes into the hymn of praise of a father that he knows has been with his people from the beginning because he says, in you our ancestors put their trust. They trusted and you delivered them. So again, who is he? What kind of father? He's a providing father. He's a present father. He's a powerful father. He's a father who from the beginning gave us our identity and from whom we need to learn who we are, who we are and whose we are, we belong to him. So as that beautiful song says, you are a good, good father. It is who you are and I am loved. It is who I am. And so we need to continue to search for that no matter what other voices out there say anything other than that. And Martha, we're reminded that God is our Father, as our Lord Jesus taught us to pray, the Our Father, Our Father who art in heaven. It's Abba, Pater. He is our Father. Uh, some other religions, non-Christian religions, uh, they think of God as more of a, a judge and master. Uh, they don't have the same understanding that we as, as Christians and as Catholic Christians have of God as our Father. That is beautiful that you point that out because you're right. Not everyone knows God as Father. Father first of our Lord Jesus Christ, as we say in the Creed, we touched on that last week, but then our Father. And yes, He is Judge, and yes, He is Creator, and yes, He is Father. And so it's not either or, but both and. And He's a Father 
who has revealed himself throughout uh, salvation history as such. We see even in the Old Testament in Deuteronomy uh, 4, it's a personal father. He says, because he, meaning God, loved your fathers, therefore he chose their descendants after you, and he personally brought you from Egypt by his great power. And so many of us have our own Egypts that God has brought us out of. Our Father has brought us out through Jesus Christ and in the Holy Spirit out of all kinds of slavery and misery. And so we can know that he is a loving Father. And yes, sometimes he does reprove us. We see that uh, in the Old Testament, in the New Testament as well, in Proverbs 3, and Jesus talks about it. And in the letter to the Hebrews, you know, that he is a Father who loves us. So he sometimes corrects us and chastises us because he wants us to be as perfect as the heavenly father is perfect, as Jesus says in Matthew 5, 48, which by the way, means in, in the greatest sense, perfected, we become perfected in love. We love like the father because we have received that merciful love from the father and we become merciful also like the father, as Jesus says in Luke 6, uh, 36. So we can be called children of God because God has called us his children. We can call God our father because he has called us his children, as John says in 1 John 3, 1. Isn't it beautiful that that's who we are and that is who he is? And Martha, unfortunately, not everybody has had that experience of really feeling in their heart that God is our Father. Uh, why, why do you suppose that, that some people never experience that closeness, that, that goodness of God as our Father? One reason is sin, our own sin now as adults, but also the sin and the brokenness of others when we were a child or we were a teen or an adolescent or even a young adult. A lot of times uh, the way that other people act does affect us deeply, especially beginning with our parents who are put, uh, in whose care we are put by God in the care of our father and the care of our mother so that they might nurture us in that love that God has for us. And I know a lot of people who have suffered uh, early losses, uh, people who are have been orphaned and didn't know their parents or their father uh, or their mother, people uh, who have been abandoned, who have been neglected. Um, so many stories of people who have been used or abused or ill-treated by their own father, by their own mother. Um, many people, uh, we all know, right? And you who are listening might know and might be in that situation, uh, and divorced uh, uh, parents. And, and sometimes it's like, your parents divorce you like they separated from you. Your father may have not been in your life. Uh, maybe it was a very dysfunctional family that, that people have suffered or it could be addiction uh, where the love is directed to um, a substance uh, or, or an activity and not love directed to you. Uh, it could be also um, that you have been unappreciated or depreciated or sidelined. And so many times uh, people have grown up without that love of their father. And so they transfer then that to their relationship with God, our father. They have a hard time understanding that God could be such a provident and loving and merciful and good God, a good, good God, because that's not exactly what they experienced with their father. And that's when, John, we need to remind one another of 2 Corinthians six eighteen: I will be a father to you and you shall be sons and daughters to me, says the Lord. So no matter what kind of father, earthly father you have had or have, you have a heavenly father who is not 
like the worst of fathers on earth, but he's the best father because he is the epitome of fatherhood from whom all fatherhood on earth takes its name or should. And so the one main, main thing in this is that people who have suffered, and we all have suffered to some extent because no parent on earth is perfect. We need to go back to the father in prayer. We need to hear the words that Jesus himself heard when he was being baptized uh, by John, when the heavens opened and the voice of God, the father was heard, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. That is the same thing that God wants to say to your soul. You are my beloved child, my beloved son, my beloved daughter in whom I am well pleased. Your identity comes from me, not from the world, not from what you do, not from your job, not from what others have said of you or about you, but what I say of you, you are my beloved child. And Martha, this this whole topic of God is our Father really resonates w with me as a dad. My wife is out of town, so I've been taking care of my 14-year-old. And um, I left a little note next to the coffee pot um, yesterday morning, and it just said simply, uh, I asked him to take care of a few things and at the bottom of my side. It, Remember, Daddy loves you with a smiley mm. face. And it, sometimes just the little, small, little signs of tenderness and of love a, as a dad uh, can reflect the love of our Heavenly Father, the way He loves us. We can do the same with our children. Absolutely. And you're making me smile over here because one of my favorite blessings in Scripture is one that I... I, I, I um, I bestow upon, I pray for, for all my friends on their birthdays. And it comes from Numbers 6, 24, 26. And one of the things that it says is that God, we wish, we pray upon the other, that the Lord may smile upon you. May he turn his face to you and grant you his peace. So you probably smiled when you wrote that note. Uh, your son probably smiled when he read the note. You shared it with me and you made me smile. And that is exactly what God our Father is doing. He's smiling upon us. You who are listening to us, God is smiling on you. He wants to smile on you. Even when we sin and we, he frowns, he wants to restore his smile on his face when he looks at you. Even when you are slumbering, when you are sleeping, God bestows his gifts on his beloved. He knows you and loves you deeply and dearly. And I am smiling from ear to ear as we uh, are joined by Martha Fernandez Sardina, a Catholic evangelist and the founder of RememberYouAreLove.com, as uh, we are continuing our series by the same name, Remember You Are Love, today continuing our conversation of really knowing God as our Father. Uh, Martha, how, how does our relationship with, with our Lord Jesus Christ, Jesus the Son, help us to grow into a deeper love relationship with God the Father? Father. Well, he is the son per excellence. So he teaches us what it means to be a child of God, to be a son, to be a daughter. He teaches us to call God father. He teaches us to relate to God as our father. And he, he wants us, as you mentioned earlier, to call him our father, to pray to him, our father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And by the way, when we're praying the our father, we can stop and we should perhaps meditatively stop on each of those and say, Father, our Father who art in heaven, thank you for being our Father, the Father of all of us in my family, in my neighborhood, in my city, in my country, in my world, in the world. And hallowed be your name in my life. May I praise your name. My, may my deeds give you worship and prayer and so forth. So that's one way in which we 
learn from our Lord, to spend time in prayer. You know, he would go for hours on end up into the mountain to be alone with his father. So he teaches us how to pray to God our Father. He teaches us to receive the Father's eternal, unmistakable, unfathomable, un incomparable, everlasting and awesome love. Or as that song says, you know, he calls us deeper still deeper still into love. And just as Jesus went deeper and deeper with the Father in prayer, that undeniable and unmistakable love of the Father that he received in prayer, so he teaches us to do the same. He also teaches us to behave as children of the Father. St. Paul and St. John talk about that, possibly even St. Peter in their letters in the New Testament, that we are to behave, to be like our Father. And so Jesus teaches us, and that's so many ways, teaches us that in so many ways when he says, I have come not to do my will, but my father's will. The father and I are one. Whatever I hear from my father is what I teach you. So you and I need to have the mind of Christ. We need to learn how to see and judge and act like God's children, just like Jesus. And here more than ever, does that famous phrase um, apply? What would Jesus do? What would Jesus do in his relationship with his father? What would he do with his in his relationship with others? As a son of the father, so too we must act like Jesus in all things so that we might be in that right relationship with God, our father, who's the source of power and love, of life and light, of goodness and beauty, of happiness and peace. And, uh, and we can transmit that love to other people. Martha, there are so many uh, passages in sacred scripture, uh, in in the uh, in the Bible, in the New Testament, the Old Testament, uh, that allude to God, our Father. I think that it's a good exercise uh, to spend some time and just spend a few minutes uh, meditating on some of these verses. Uh, can you share a, a couple of your favorites? Well, of course, 1 John 4, 8, right? The one who does not love does not know God, for God is love. So God is love. So the more I know God, the more I know love. And the more I know love, the more I receive it and the more I give it. And then a few verses later in 1 John 4, 19, he says, we love because he loved us first. And so, and I remember, I think in our first or second uh, uh, show together, John, a few months ago, people can look it up in, in the, uh, in the archives. Uh, I talked about one young lady who said that to me one day when I was out love messaging with wristbands and there were about four or five of them and I only had one and I looked at the one and I looked at them and one of them said, love me first. And so we see that right there in scripture. He loved us first. And so that's one of uh, my favorites, um, because God, we're responding to a, a love that's coming to us already. We're responding as a child of God to a God who's already in motion toward us. He's already loving us. And um, I also love uh, that passage of Ephesians 4, 6, where uh, St. Paul says, there is one God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. And that's exactly what Jesus says in John 17, 26, that the love uh, of God is going to come inside of us. He says, I have made your name known, he prays to the Father, and I will make it known so that the love which with which you loved me may be in them and I in them. So Jesus wants the love that the Father has for him to be inside of us and for he himself, the incarnate love of God, 
to be inside of us. So those are some of my favorite scripture passages. I'll put some other ones on my website, uh, on the on the Facebook page. So if you go to rememberyouarelove.com, it'll take you to Facebook and you'll find some more scripture passages there. Martha, we have about 30 seconds or so. Uh, just a, a quick final thought. Uh, not everybody has internalized, has taken this in, uh, that uh, God is our Father. Uh, what can we do to deepen our understanding of, of the love of God? If sin is keeping you from the love of the Father, from experiencing His closeness, His power, His warmth, then go to confession and go to communion frequently. Clean out all the, the stuff that is in the way. Secondly, if it's not sin and if it's a wound, seek healing through inner healing prayer, through counseling, through therapy. Number three, pray, pray, pray. Pray to the Father. Reveal your love to me. Number four, get into sacred, sacred scripture. Read, find Jesus in the New Testament showing you, introducing you to the Father, and let the Holy Spirit be that love of God that is poured into your heart with the love of God, your Father. Thanks so much, uh, Martha. You can find out much more about Martha at MarthaFernandezSardina.com. We need to take a short break. When Morning Air continues, I'll share my conversation with Peter Atkinson, the director of The Merry Beggar. Stay with us. Catholic Order of Foresters is proud to sponsor the Relevant Radio Studio Line. For information about employment opportunities and flexible premium life insurance plans, visit relevantradio.com slash Forrester. Get connected to the conversation. Call us now at 888-914-9149. You're listening to Morning Air with John Morales on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. It's a beautiful Yes, indeed, it is a beautiful day, a beautiful morning, uh, 33 minutes after the hour. Welcome back to Morning Air. I'm John Morales, along with Glenn Leverance. Good to be with you this morning. I want to tell you about a new apostolate here at Relevant Radio, in case you haven't heard about it. It's called The Merry Beggars. It's an entertainment company joyfully creating original and inspiring entertainment that heals the culture. The Merry Beggars are getting ready to launch their first production with Relevant Radio. Radio, a Christmas Carol, which will be airing this Advent here on the network. Listen to a short excerpt from The Merry Beggars, followed by my conversation with director Peter Atkinson. Welcome to the quarantine plays from The Merry Beggars. My name is Peter Atkinson, and I am proud to present episode three of The Quarantine Plays. I Do Like the Rain by Kylie Hatch When the coronavirus hit the United States and we entered into lockdown, the Merry Beggars launched a contest seeking radio scripts from writers around the world in response to the theme of quarantine. The result of that contest is The Quarantine Plays. Please enjoy episode 3 of 12, I Do Like the Rain by Kylie Hatch. For the full experience of this radio play, listen with headphones. Got the headphones on. We're now joined by Peter Atkinson, the director of The Merry Beggars, a new apostolate of relevant radio. The Merry Beggars produce original radio shows for families that reveal the beauty and fullness of life. Good morning, Peter. Welcome to Morning Air. Great to be with you for the first time. 
Good morning, John. It's lovely to be with you. Absolutely. Peter, for the folks that have never heard of the Merry Beggars, uh, tell us a little bit uh, about uh, your group. Uh, what exactly is the Merry Beggars? So the Merry Beggars is a, a Catholic theater group, a Catholic media group that joined Relevant Radio, and we are now producing original entertainment for the Relevant Radio audience, and we'll be releasing new entertainment starting in uh, December and then not stopping from then on. Absolutely. There's a little backstory as to uh, how the good Lord willed for you to come into the relevant radio family. I find it fascinating. Tell us a, a, a thumbnail of, of the story. That is true. So um, this, I went to Ave Maria University for my undergrad. I studied classics, doing theater and Producing entertainment was about the furthest thing from my mind, but God has uh, told God plans uh, your plans and, and he'll laugh, and uh, that's what happened <laughs> yes. for, for, uh, for the benefit of everyone involved. Um, I ended up going to Columbia University for my graduate studies in acting. I got to star off-Broadway, audition for Netflix and Warner Brothers, and do that whole rigmarole. Um, and while I was in graduate school, I was founding a group, a Catholic theater group that turned into the Merry Beggars. And the reason I was doing that was, as I'm sure your listeners um, are aware, uh, people involved in the entertainment industry are not always the most, uh, the most pro-Christian, pro-Catholic group of people. And so there's a, a real need for a ministry and an apostolate that helps actors and artists produce new works. Well, uh, we had a lot of really cool in-person things planned for summer 2020. And then, like many people's plans for summer 2020, uh, COVID dashed them all uh, away. And again, this is another example of how when, when it looks like things are going badly, it's just God, sometimes God directing us towards his love. Um, we ended up pivoting from doing a lot of in-person events to producing audio shows and radio shows. I had grown up listening to The Shadow, Gunsmoke, The Lone Ranger, Superman, X-1. I've been in love with those shows my entire life. So it was very easy for us to switch to doing radio shows and producing these things. Uh, and we launched a contest called The Quarantine Plays. Uh, and we didn't really have any long-term plans for it. We just thought, we'll throw a contest out there, see how people respond. Um, we challenged playwrights to write 10-minute plays in response to the theme of quarantine. You know, it was pretty unique for everyone to experience quarantine together for the first time around the world. That's never happened before. So we thought, well, let's see what let's see what artists can create from this experience. And we ended up getting over 120 plays from around the world, um, Ireland, Australia, New Zealand, most of the United States. And so we started producing them. And then people started responding to them. Artists started um, falling in love with them and uh, and then eventually Father Rocky and I, I talked and Father Rocky said, well, why don't, why don't you come into Relevant Radio? You can produce this on, on a much larger scale for the Relevant Radio audience and uh, you won't have to do any of the administrative and tax work. And, and I immediately said, yes, that sounds wonderful. Uh, and I've been a, at work setting up the next stage of the Merry Beggars for, for the last few months. 
Tell us about your inspiration uh, for this project, The Merry Beggars. Uh, I know you alluded just a moment ago uh, of how uh, radio was back in the day, back in the 1940s and 50s, where we had all these wonderful uh, radio theaters and dramas. In fact, I myself on a Saturday night have listened to a Superman from like 1947. And it's fascinating to hear the way that radio was done back in those days. Uh, How did listening to to those episodes, those old-time radio uh, episodes, inspire you to do what you're doing now? Well, I think, one, it just introduced me to the art form. You know, each art form, whether you're writing or you're making a film or you're writing a short story, has its own language. So the way that you would depict a, 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 a love scene in a movie versus a film uh, or versus a radio play versus a, 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 a book or a short story are all different. So... Part of it was I I just have learned the language of radio from a really young age. But the other part of it was that um, the stories are, you you can tell stories on a much faster scale. So uh, it would take, you know, $10 million to produce a science fiction story about uh, astronauts going to Mars. Um, And and $10 million would be cheap versus the BBC was able to do a wonderful series called Journey to the Red Planet, which is one of my favorite old radio series, uh, for under under a million dollars. They were able to, able to produce this just incredible science fiction journey. And so the thing that excites me a lot about radio is we'll be able to produce stories that are in alignment with the Catholic faith, that resonate with relevant radio's audience, and that, that talk about the things that matter to us, the virtues, our Catholic faith, human dignity, um, and all all the mission of the Merry Beggars is trying to amplify the mission of relevant radio, you know, to bring Christ to the world through media. And in this case, media means radio plays. I love the way that they can tell stories on radio. It's really incredible. Absolutely. Uh, Peter, when you were studying acting, did you have dreams of one day uh, being in Hollywood or on Broadway? Did you see yourself uh, in movies or on the big stage uh, in the Big Apple? Absolutely. Absolutely. I don't think anyone can go uh, into New York or L.A. with some sort of fantasy or illusion about themselves being the next big star. Um, But what happened in my case was I kept on uh, going to these auditions and realizing that uh, so many of the auditions were either explicitly or implicitly uh, denigrating the Catholic faith. I mean, there's one example. I I auditioned for a Netflix project uh, and I picked up the scripts on my way out and realized that the entire storyline was about rejecting the Catholic faith, Wow! Um, which sounds a little ridiculous, but like those storylines happen again and again and again and again in Hollywood and in LA. And one of, one of the things that I am really excited about creating, especially at relevant radio is we're going to be able to create a space where artists, Christian and Catholic artists who are committed to their faith and who are committed to telling beautiful, great stories are able to come in, find like-minded artists, and work on projects that I think there's an audience just waiting for this, uh, these types of projects to come out. I had a great time in New York, but ultimately I felt God calling me to create a space where you can be both creative and faithful to God. And it was that Ave Maria University uh, uh, formation that you received that allowed you to open up the eyes so when you go to these auditions, you're like, hey, there's something wrong here. 
Absolutely. And I, I had a wonderful, uh, a wonderful Shakespeare director at Ave Maria by the name of Dr. Kurt Wright. And he really opened the world of Shakespeare to me. He taught me how to um, really throw myself into these roles and into the world of the stage and, and the theater. Um, but it was such a, it was such a privileged experience to be able to experience the magic of theater inside a Catholic environment so that you realize what you're trying to do when you're telling beautiful stories is ultimately help people's human nature be healed and bring them closer to God. And uh, Ave Maria was the perfect environment to do that because you could go from rehearsal to adoration and then to class and then back to rehearsal and performances. And most people, when they're in a, a, a theatrical environment, it's generally not that pious. Some are, but uh, as a rule, uh, it's usually not as, uh, as close to Christ. Sounds tremendous, and we've got a lot more to talk about. We're going to take a, a short break, uh, Peter, as we continue talking about The Merry Beggars with director Peter Atkinson. Stay with us. We'll be back with much more after this short timeout. Bringing the light of Christ to start your day with the issues that matter most. This is Morning Air with John Morales on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. 47 minutes after the hour. Welcome back to Morning Air. I'm John Morales as we continue my conversation about the Merry Beggars on Relevant Radio with director Peter Atkinson. Don't be a fool, Bilbo Baggins, he said to himself. Thinking of dragons and all that outlandish nonsense at your age. So, he put on an apron, lit fires, boiled water, and washed up. Then he had a nice little breakfast in the kitchen before turning out of the dining room. By that time, the sun was shining and the front door was open, letting in a warm spring breeze. And welcome back to Morning Air on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Fascinating audio, just a short little excerpt. I do like the rain from The Merry Beggars as we continue our conversation with the director of The Merry Beggars, Peter Atkinson. Peter, uh, we started to talk about uh, I Do Like the Rain right before the break. Tell us a little bit about uh, this uh, series. It sounds fascinating. I love the sound effects. Yeah, so uh, I Do Like the Rain is episode three of a series that we started with, The Quarantine Place. And this is sort of like the origin story of the Merry Beggars. Um, these are the plays that rose to the top of the 120 plays that we received from around the world. I Do Like the Rain is, uh, I, I love that audio clip that you just played. It always moves me a little to tears because it's this scene in uh, the, the play opens and you hear a female voice telling the story of Bilbo Baggins, right? A, a, a clip from The Hobbit. And you hear the sound effects of the world. You hear the flame and the water bubbling. And you can imagine little Bilbo Baggins scampering around camp, so on and so forth. And then right after that audio clip, you hear a car horn and the sounds of traffic jam. And suddenly that world goes away and you're in the world of a minivan with four little or three little kids. Uh, and a husband and wife. And to me, that just brings back so many memories of being with family and stories on road trips and the sort of beautiful little world that a, a good, healthy family creates. 
And to be able to sort of show the magic of storytelling inside of a family, I think that's just, it, it always touches my heart. My wife and I are expecting our first child. And so these are the, these are the things that I'm really looking forward to. So to, to be able to bring a little clip of that world into, um, into our story is just, is such a beautiful moment. Congratulations, uh, Peter, by the way, uh, for your first baby that's on its way. Thank you. Thank, well, part of, part of where my heart is with the Mary Beggars is as my wife and I look towards having a family, you know, we want to be able to have an entertainment resource that we can bring into our family that helps build up our family culture. You know, I think a lot of, a lot of people have tried to step away from uh, our contemporary entertainment sources like Hulu, Netflix, Amazon, Disney, and the like, because they start to see messages that are undermining our faith, undermining our, the culture that a lot of us are trying to build up in our families. And so the hope for the Mary Beggars is that we'll be able to create a, a, a resource for families to bring into their homes where we're going to support what they're trying to build in their family. Um, to encourage everyone in the family to deepen their faith and to and to help develop the virtues. Peter, it occurred to me uh, you, we didn't talk about it, how you came up with the name the Merry Beggars. How did you? <laughs> That's right. Um, well, it was a suggestion from an old uh, a college professor of mine, and the more that we've stayed with it, the more that it's it's uh, it's deepened its meaning. To me, the Merry Beggars is all about being um, joyful in the midst of poverty. I think, uh, you know, as a Christian, as a Catholic, we understand and we acknowledge that everything we receive is a gift from God. And so uh, for, for me, for my wife, who's also an actress, um, the most beautiful thing is to have the heart of a child where you're completely trusting in God and you're completely um, depending on God for everything in your life. So the Mary Beggars is really a call to have the heart of a child with joyful poverty acknowledging that everything we have isn't really ours. It's all a gift from God, and we're supposed to steward that um, for, for the good of ourselves and the good of others and the good of the church. Absolutely. Uh, Peter, you know, at the beginning we were talking about all those great old-time productions uh, that inspired yeah. you to do what you're doing today, you know, the Superman and Gunsmoke and War of the Worlds, all those old-time shows. Yep. Um, why do you suppose all those great productions disappeared? Why was radio theater uh, lost? Uh, how, how come it lost its appeal, and was it just replaced with, you know, the 1960s uh, with the uh, TV shows and everything that, that developed afterwards? No, I think that's right, John. I think that um, as, as radio came up, radio was, uh, was the, the best entertainment medium that was available. Um, and so everyone flocked to radio. You had CBS uh, Radio, you had uh, CBS Mystery Theater, you had uh, Lux Radio Theater. All the biggest stars did a few films, but then radio was sort of how the audience encountered them more and more frequently. But once, once uh, consumers were able to get television sets into their houses, things started to shift over. And a few of the radio shows did actually transition to TV. I'm, I'm sure people know Gunsmoke, and Gunsmoke was, of course, a, a popular TV The Lone show. Ranger just came to mind. I remember listening to yeah. Heil Silver on the radio on those old-time exactly. classics. Exactly, exactly. Um, no, the Lone Ranger is a, is a favorite of mine. But I think what, what you find is that um, you actually lose something. It's sort of funny. When you add the visual medium and you go towards all the TV shows, you lose something from the audio world. I think 
you know, people read less than they ever did nowadays. But I think that people are aware that they're missing something if they don't actually cultivate a habit of reading. And I think there's an opportunity when we're, when we're creating these radio shows, there's an intimacy to audio that you can't get in film. There are types of stories that you can tell in audio that, that come across differently than in film. So, I mean, I'm really excited about the stories that we're going to be able to be producing over the coming months. Um, I'm also excited about the, um, the audience that we're bringing them to, relevant radio's audience. And I think because it's radio, we're going to be able to tell hundreds of stories that would take decades to tell even one of them if we were doing it through a visual format. Peter, tell us uh, about uh, what goes on behind the scenes in terms of creating these incredible sound effects, uh, these productions. There's a lot that goes, it sounds like there's a lot that goes yes, into it. Yes, there is, there is. So for any, um, for any film uh, that you see, any film will have been in production for a minimum of, you know, three, five years, sometimes 10 years or more. Um, and the, the, the number one miracle in Hollywood is to get your, your script made. So we're not quite as intensive as film, but there still is a lot that goes on. We actually held our in-person auditions in Chicago. So we put out a, a casting call and then we had uh, around 130 Chicago-based actors audition. And then we called back around 26 of them. They all come into Chicago. I'm sitting there in a room with a table and they're coming up and, and reading scripts. And then we call back about eight of them to actually perform in the final production. And so that's just the casting. They, then they have to come into the studio, record, we'll rehearse the show, record it. And then we start layering in the sound effects, the music and, and edit toward, to where it's something that when the audience listens to it, it'll really affect their hearts. Now, if we do our job, you won't know that any of this has happened. If we do our job, it'll, it'll just sound like you're listening to the actual story. But behind the scenes, there's a lot that goes on. And actually, one of our upcoming series um, we're going to be releasing in January called On the Night Train, the script will have been in development for over a year. So some of these stories, uh, as we're getting to bigger and bigger projects, some of these stories take months and months and, and to even up to a year to develop the story, to find the characters, to really create something that the audience won't want to listen to just once, but will listen to again and again and again and again for years to come. Peter, in uh, film, uh, in Hollywood movies, uh, your appearance is so important, obviously. You know, you, you think of, of movie stars with movie star looks, but uh, on the radio, <laughs> it's the voice that matters. Talk about the qualities that Absolutely. you're looking for uh, when you are looking to find a, a specific role for a specific part. Absolutely. Um, and it's interesting because, of course, you know, at, on, you're on radio, so your voice can be um, your voice can be whatever you want it to be. Right. Uh, you could I could perform as a as an older man, as a, as a younger child. You can manipulate. Your I voice play a young guy on the radio. <laughs> right. Right. right, right. And I, and I, yeah, exactly. And uh, the what we're looking for depends on the parts that we're casting for. Um, but the thing that we're mostly looking for is just emotional authenticity. When, when we have actors come in and perform, we want to, to feel like we're starting to hear a little bit of that character's heart. Now, it might be that that person is playing a villain, so it's not a particularly lovely heart. It might be, it might be rather uh, brusque and, and short and brash, but we want to hear a little bit of the character's heart start to come out. 
And a lot of what acting training is about is learning to allow your emotions and your experience be portrayed directly through your voice so that you're not just reading words, you're not just narrating, but you're actually you're actually telling the story of the of the heart of the characters. That's really what we're going for. Peter, it's been a joy. Thanks so much. John, thanks for having me on. Peter Atkinson, the director of The Merry Beggars. And now it's time for Glenn's Story Corner. Our story today is called Good For Them, Good For You from Sunny Skies. Studies have shown a casual link where when people behave in this generous, kind way, they actually end up happier themselves. That from Elizabeth Dunn, a psychology professor at the University of British Columbia. Frankly, she said, I find it very reassuring. Humans have this sort of baked-in tendency to experience joy from helping others. Dunn said her happiness research is conducted by changing the conditions people are facing and then seeing the results. In one experiment, researchers walked up to randomly selected people on UBC's campus, gave them either a 5 or $20 bill, and asked them to spend the money by the end of the day. Half were told to spend the cash to benefit someone else. The other half were asked to use the money to benefit themselves. At the end of the day, the subjects don't really know what the experiment is about. We just asked them about their day and asked them to rate how happy they felt. So done. What we saw in the experiment is that people felt happier after using this money to benefit others than after using it to benefit themselves. Dunn said the study suggests that treating others with kindness is more effective for promoting our own happiness than treating ourselves. However, she says being kind to ourselves is very important too. The form of kindness that's perhaps most beneficial for ourselves is really all about self-compassion. That same sort of gentle compassion we'd extend to a treasured friend or maybe a younger person in our life that we care about. St. Paul says in Philippians 2.3, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. Thanks so much, Glenn. Fascinating story on giving. And that'll do it for this edition of Morning Air. I'm John Morales. Thanks so much for joining us. The Patrick Madrid Show is straight ahead.